Welcome to Campfire Football. I am Sebastian North. This is episode 92, the MLS Cup Review with Ronnie from the Soccer Subs Podcast. So I have my friend Ronnie on to just basically tell his story because he actually went to Portland to witness his NYCFC take MLS Cup for the first time in their history. Just listening to him talk about his own experience there, but also getting into what NYCFC is for the city of New York, what the club means to its fans, and well, we get into a few other things, MLS structure, some bits and bobs, but most of all, it's fun to listen to a fan who is just getting off the gloss of seeing his team win a championship. Enjoy. Ronnie, actually, let's just dive into what we were just talking about before I hit record. Let's uh, tell me about you just went to MLS Cup, saw the final. You're an NYCFC fan. Tell me, how did that process happen? Uh, Sebastian, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, man, and, and just what an unbelievable experience overall. Like, you know, I was just telling you, I wasn't even planning on going to this game out in Portland. You know, I live here in New York. Uh, my other uh, podcast guys, Christian and Eric, were like, hey, is anyone going to this game? Um I'm actually getting married next year. So I'm actually planning for a wedding and, you know, me being a responsible fiance, like, you know what, I'm going to cut down on traveling. I'm going to cut down on expenses. Um, But Christian, I feel like gave me that push, man. You know, Christian was like, Ronnie, this is your team. This is the first time you guys ever make the, the final and let alone, you guys have a really good shot at winning it. You mean to tell me, you know, I'm seeing flights for $250, $300. You mean to tell me, you know, you're not doing this. And Sebastian, man, I, I took a long, hard stare at myself in the mirror. I'm like, this is crazy. And I told my wife, you know, I'll make it up to you, but I need to go to this game. And I booked my flight at around 10, 11 a.m. And I flew out at eight in the at eight at night. And it was probably the best decision I ever did, man. I think I had to be there. And I'm glad I did, man. Just over 1,500 NYCFC fans um, went out there and I feel like, you know, we we kind of stripped away a little bit of the home field advantage. Yes, you know, of course, there were thousands of Portland fans, but we we made some noise over there. And I think that really counted. I think the NYCFC players heard us loud and clear on the drums, chanting, and they felt that, that away presence. So I was so glad I went. Well, I, it actually reminds me of when um, I made the decision to go to Russia in 2018. And I, of course... Just uh, for some reason, I just screwed up making damn sure I had a visa. <laughs> and uh, I ended That's up important. being able to get it at the absolute last minute. And I almost bailed on going and I ended up going and it was like, you know, one of the one of the best experiences of my life. So uh, and then when you get to just be there and the whole thing, what you got to see from an NYCFC perspective is has got to be funny because. I was mentioning to you, I went to the Rapids against Portland game here at Dick's, and there were less Portland fans here than there were NYCFC fans in Portland. It was obviously first, you know, the second round of playoffs, but we dramatically lose in the last like minute of the game, and it sucks all the air out of the stadium. And I'm watching this tiny little contingent of fans just so excited. And when NYCFC won, I was like, oh man. Portland feels exactly like I did just a week and a half or two weeks ago right on Absolutely. Thanksgiving day. And Absolutely. So 
to be in that position because there's actually quite a few fans this this playoff run that got to be uh the party poopers the ones that pissed in the kool-aid right like rsl did it twice um nycfc did it to new england portland did it to colorado so there were definitely some upsets where the home fans just had a brutal way of losing did how did that feel just like a little bit of like oh this this is a little hostile now like we just i don't know how did it feel to just be in the building i know that mls fans aren't hooligans but absolutely man no i think well first of all a huge shout out to the third rail and, and the templados for for bringing the noise and the drums and everything to portland i gotta say for the most part though portland timbers fans were were pretty class. A lot of them, you know, were giving us fist bumps along the way. Hey, good luck today. Uh, you know, hey, you know, safe travels back. A couple of them were giving us the middle finger along the way. It's going to be a long flight back, you know, but you, you kind of tune that out a little bit. For the most for the most part, nobody really, you know, was volatile against us or anything like that. And, you know, it, it was just so cool seeing, you know, all the supporters come together. Like, you know, fans I haven't seen in so long, but a lot of them knew that they had to be there for this because even before I booked my flight, uh, I was telling Christian and my podcast guys that I have a feeling we could win this game. Yes. Portland came out the West, you know, great for them, but they, they're totally beatable. You know, like they, they weren't like a super dominant team this whole season. Like a lot of MLS teams struggled throughout the season, injuries and whatnot. And along the whole, along the whole way, I, I had a feeling like we can totally beat Portland. And I told Christian that, and, you know, it's not impossible. We're not looking for a miracle here. It's totally doable. Yes, it's going to be a tough game, but um, I'm glad I did, man. It, 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 the atmosphere was amazing. And, you know, the team, um, you know, they threw us a nice little party after the game as well. And, you know, ha- uh, open bar, open buffet, like I mentioned in, in the Soccer Subs podcast, it was just real class from them, just showing a great appreciation to the fans. You know, they threw us a breakfast right before we marched the stadium. You know, not a lot of clubs do that, Sebastian. I think no, that, that's that kinda, awesome. Yeah, and I think that really speaks to the NYCFC club, uh, just appreciating, you know, you know, club to uh, a flight from New York to Portland is definitely not cheap. You know, we're, we're spending almost 300 bucks on flights and hey, we're there for a day or two in a hotel, you know, easily every fan spent over $500, $500, So, you know, I think they really appreciated that. And what better way to give back than just showing appreciation for sure. Well, and you got a free strip show too. We definitely did from coach Ronnie D'Elia. That was, that was crazy. He's a man of his word. <laughs> that was great. I, uh, I, I thought again, kind of a funny thing. If you're a, if you're a Portland fan, you're like, dude, this guy stripped in our stadium and did pushups on our turf. Uh, so I, I just thought it was great. Honestly, when you were mentioning that you said you had a feeling, well, as soon as, Colorado lost to Portland and I thought we were okay. I think it was a pretty even game, but when I was watching Portland beat us, I was like, there's no team. This, this, there's no way this team wins MLS cup. Like they're not good enough. Someone else is going to beat them along the way. And then I looked over and I was like, uh, new England's going to have the same problem that we just had. They haven't played in two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, they're going to have a team that just played that's fired up. And a good team, NYCFC. And it was like, it, I just felt like the odds are, and I think NYCFC is going to beat New England. And then I, and then it, what it was, what I thought was clear is that NYCFC was the best team remaining. I think they were better than Portland uh, throughout the playoffs anyway. So to me, they were favorites going in, not to mention it seemed like 
home teams struggled outside of the first round home teams struggled and yeah so it just kind of an amazing thing to see that now here's a here's the thing that i want to understand about the new york uh mls uh atmosphere i guess you could say ecosystem nycfc like you said is eight years old new york red bull is actually a rebranding of the metro stars which is an inaugural club you're an nycfc fan decidedly yes or yes. kind of both because I, I i would imagine in new york it's teams are kind of people would kind of just want both to do well and how do you choose one or the other and yeah so yeah no that's a great question sebastian um i'll be honest i actually didn't watch mls prior to nycfc coming into the league um i was definitely aware of it um you know my attention was fully you know just like other fans into the premier league into la liga real madrid barca the Clásicos, and all that um, you know, I think the club did a pretty cool job at, you know, when they first uh, launched into just branding themselves as a club for the city, you know, for the five boroughs. And that's what really stood out to me. Obviously, you know, growing up in the Bronx, uh, living here in Manhattan, um, you know, I got a bunch of friends in Queens. Yeah, you know, everyone knows Brooklyn. That was really cool to see. Um, I think a similar job to what LAFC kind of did as well, compared, you know, kind of stripping themselves away from the, from the LA Galaxy. Um, and yeah, just like the fan activations that the club did, you know, in the boroughs, doing a lot of soccer initiatives, building mini pitches um, within the five boroughs, you know, you kind of distinguish yourself a little bit from the Red Bulls, where I know they play in New Jersey, but they brand themselves as a New York Red Bulls team. But, you know, just I think for me, um, actions speak louder than words and, and you know, getting David Villa, seeing the club getting really good quality players, Jack Harrison, who now plays at Leeds. Um, you know, a, a, a couple, a couple of good players uh, in the first roster and the first team, and uh, throughout the years, I think the clubs really made a good push at getting key pieces to compete for a championship. And um, I think that really stood out to me. And when when it came to that, I was like, yes, take my money. Um, I'll become a season ticket holder, and let's see what let's see what we can do. I think that kind of you know myself, and I can I think I can speak for a couple other fans that can say the same. This this team did a really good job at at branding themselves as a club for the city. So kind of like the people's club and then there's the corporate club. Is that, is there kind of that sort of exactly deal between fans? Yeah, I think so. And don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, I think for Red Bulls fans, I, I'm, you know, and kudos to them too. You know, I, I think they, they stay loyal. You know, a lot of them are original Metro stars um, fans and they've just stood throughout the whole journey and the rebrand and, um, nothing to take away from them. They have a really good academy. I've heard really good things about the Red Bull Academy. And, you know, I love seeing uh, players going over to Europe, Salzburg um, and Leipzig and everything. So it's really cool that, you know, what they're doing. But uh, I'm glad we bought the chip home first. <laughs> yeah, for real, because they're, you know, they're an inaugural team that still hasn't won. As Actually, I think they are. They're one of very, very few of the inaugural teams. Uh, it's New York, Dallas. And New England, that's it, who have not won, a, won an MLS Cup. Which wow, I think that's is, interesting. Yeah. Um, everyone else, expansion. Uh, there's a couple expansion teams. Obviously, Philly hasn't won one, but LAFC hasn't won one. But what this kind of leads me into is, because I listened to episode, episode 42 of your podcast, right? Uh, Soccer Subs podcast, just for anyone listening. And it was really good. But what was, I was telling you before we went on, 
listening to the excitement of fans just days after winning there was that glow in your guys's voices it was so obvious you guys are so so excited you guys recorded this like last night you said right so one thing that i found interesting was there seemed to be a real hopeful positive vibe that this is the building block to take the club to new levels right um and I, you guys, I don't want to dredge into this. I think people, if they want to listen to your guys' points of view, they should absolutely go and listen to your points of view instead of my summarize, summarizing of it. Do you really do you really feel like, okay, now that we have this, we have the building blocks to be a dominant Eastern Conference team every single season? Yeah, Sebastian, I, I really think this is a huge first step into giving us that confidence that we are legitimate contenders moving forward. Um, I think this championship means a lot to New York and to the city. Um, I hope it can be a good step also in getting us a stadium because, you know, a lot of banter against New York City Football Club. Oh, you guys play in a baseball stadium at For sure. you know, Yankee Stadium. But, um, you know, it's really cool just to see homegrown players like uh, James Sands, Justin Hack, um, you know, former players, Gio Reyna, um, you know, that used that lived here in the city, you know, shining on the bright stage. And, you know, I hope that can kind of inspire little kids that, you know, play within the boroughs that, you know, hey, why can't I do it? You know, um, those young nine, 10 year olds um, going up through the ranks to the U13s, U14s, U17s. Um, it was really cool. And I think, yeah, I think this can hopefully um, light a match, you know, to to positive to positive upcomings for soccer here in New York. Uh, I love seeing it, you know, here in the parks. We already see it in, in what what they call disorganized environments, just, you know, three-on-threes in a parking lot or whatever it is. Love seeing that. But um, I think, you know, this gives us the confidence to move forward. And, you know, we we have some veteran players now that have been on the club for quite some – for a few years, Maxi Morales, um, you know, just to name one, Sean Johnson, our captain – and yeah, I, I really do think this was a huge step for us and hopefully many more to come. I know, you know, look at Columbus. I know last year they won the chip this this season. They didn't even make the playoffs. So I know I'm not saying, oh, yeah, next year we'll be back. But I think this gives us the confidence to compete for many more seasons coming up. Well, and you make actually two interesting points there. One, and that you guys talked about a fair bit in your episode is recruitment. Now, when I think about NYCFC in their eight years in the recruitment, there's a few names that come up and there's also, it pairs with the way the league was sort of in general, the way most teams were recruiting. So I mentioned in one of my last episodes that you, the MLS sort of started with just whatever they could get, right, in 96. And then there was this era of the big name players from Europe after David Beckham came. And there's been loads and loads of them. Some are success stories, a lot are not, right? And NYCFC kind of became the picture of this because Lampard was okay, but Pirlo was awful, right? But David Villa was maybe one of the best, one of the, I'd put him in the top 10 players, a big name European players in MLS history who came, right? Like I put him alongside Robbie Keane and guys like that who had a genuinely good career here. And I look at the team that just won this and it's void of all that. There's Maxi Morales and Tati Castellanos. This shows 
that recruitment in the MLS has gone more towards who are good quality players from Latin America that we can bring. And how can we also grow our young players? To me, it seems like they've already got the right formula. There's no reason to change anything. Do you see it the same way or, or do you think there's other things they need to do? No, I definitely see it the same way, Sebastian. I think, um, you know, Hugh brought up a good point on our show, you know, um, you know, thankfully you are, it's a good benefit to us that we're associated with within the city football group network. And, you know, we probably get some of their scouts and some of their scouting info on some players to bring into New York. Um, but I think we have the right formula. You know, I, I, I personally love that we don't go. Yes. Aside from WV and the big trio of, of Lampard and, and Pier and Lampard and Pirlo, which, Unfortunately, it didn't work out, but it was great that they were here. Um, I like how we've steered away from the big names. You know, we're thankfully we haven't been associated with um, any big names. I know like the West Coast, like Vela, Chicharito, um, and these huge payrolls that they have to cover for for these big players. Enter Miami also being an example with Blaise Matuidi, Higuain, oh, yeah. and Rodolfo Pizarro. But I think, you know, the scouting team in, in, in New York City Football Club and, and just for it, within the City Football Group Network have done a really good job in identifying, you know, teams in the Copa Sudamericanas and the Libertadores who may not be well known, but they could be a good piece for to being a good winger, a good midfielder, that good spark. Um, I think, you know, if you look at our bench, um, I don't have the list in front of me, but I think if we were to go down name by name, um, I can give you one good key attribute per name, and you might have never heard of this kid um, uh, or anything like that. I think, you know, um, a lot of our players right that we have on the roster, aside from maybe Tati, who's who's going to Europe, and Maxi, who came from racing. He's, he's a good vet of ours. Um, you know, a lot of the other names you probably haven't heard of, and, and, and that's cool because, you know, I, I'd love for them to establish a name here. And the goal for a lot of these players is to eventually maybe, you know, play somewhere else in Europe and, and grow their brand here. But I think for sure, Sebastian, just to answer your question, I think the club's doing a great job at recruiting, at finding the necessary pieces. And I think just trying to click all in one and, you know, like they said, trying to compete for championships moving forward. Well, and uh, from the perspective of a Rapids fan, I feel like because we had the lowest payroll in MLS this year and won the West. And so with a bunch of people who you don't really know, but one of our as Colorado fans, one of the most one of the things that gives us most pride in 2021 was the sale of Sam Vines, one of our Academy products to Royal Antwerp in, in Belgium. That was like super exciting that mid season, we lose our best left back. That was, we were happy about it. I th- you know, um, of course. And I, I think when you have that kind of culture, it, you can achieve great things without the pressure of achieving them. And I think this is what New York city showed they were one of the very few teams who entered the playoffs without anyone putting any pressure on them. One of the very few. Uh, I'd say them and RSL and maybe maybe Minnesota, right? But everyone else had something to prove. And, you know, you talked about Inter-Miami. I think it's a, a, a incredible, right? It, LAFC has never won anything. It's been years since LA Galaxy won something. So mm-hmm. when, you, when we were talking about that, I just... This leads me kind of into also just basic MLS uh, structure. One thing you mentioned is early on, you said, well, you know, I've until NYCFC came in, I was, you know, pr- just primarily paying attention to European football, right? There's a big difference in the structure of the way the European game works and the MLS. The MLS is like all American sports where you get a turnover of 
teams that do well and teams that don't. It changes all the time. Whereas in Europe, you get dynasties and they stay that way. So I actually did a little bit of digging. I was like, what are the MLS's actual dynasties? Well, you've got Galaxy and DC United in the early years. Mm-hmm. And then there's a few other teams that basically had two or three year runs where they were good. So you had San Jose who won in 01, 03, um, and won a Supporter Shield in 05. You've got Houston Dynamo, one of only two teams to have won back-to-back MLS Cups. That is amazing as well, as they won That's in huge. 06, 07. The only other team to have won back-to-back is LA Galaxy in 2011, 2012. And in that time, they went, uh, they won three in the space of three uh, of four years. They won 2011, 2012, and then 2014. So that's about as dynastic as MLS gets. Um, a three, four year run at the top is seems like, like historically, that's all you're going to get. Um, and as a Rapids fan, I mean, we we won in 2010 and pretty much faded into obscurity for almost <laughs> 10 years, you know. Um and you would think, oh, that's going to generate a big fan base. And I, I just wonder if maybe the way the MLS is structured, it's less about can you achieve success the next year and the next year, but but maybe a different goal entirely. What do you what do you think about that? Uh, that's that's a really good question, Sebastian. Um, yeah, I think definitely. You know, if you look at MLS soccer compared to European soccer, you know. Um, you look at the way Real Madrid, Atletico play, you know, to me, European soccer, it's just beautiful. Like, you know, the ball flows, the ball always gets to the spot um, here within MLS. Like it's more, more gritty. Um, it's a little bit slower, um, you know, and one thing we always mention in the Soccer Says podcast when we're, whenever we're interviewing players and, and coaches is that it's so unpredictable, you know, just because you make the playoffs this year doesn't mean you're coming back next year. And, you know, any team could be any team on a given day. I think, you know, Eric talked about it yesterday as well, that, you know, um, a lot of these championship teams uh, have a little bit of luck in them. Um, Sometimes it could be where the ball just might roll in the right way, in the right direction. It might get a lucky bounce. Um, I love that. I think, you know, the MLS uh, style of play is definitely a little bit more, is definitely a little bit more relaxed, more slower, um, you know, reset, let's bring it back. Let's, you know, let's run it back again. Um, then again, there's some other teams that just like to play on the counter attack and are more defensive, but I think, you know, um, every team has its own identity. And I think, you know, of course, I think every team tries to build themselves or brand themselves a certain way. We're, we're known for being a defensive team an attacking team, um, but I think, you know, overall, each team has, to me, I think the MLS is doing a great job at just growing, expanding. And, you know, for example, I'm looking forward to what Charlotte is trying to establish, mm-hmm. you know, coming into yeah. the league. Um, and also, I mean, not to get too out of topic, but also the USL. I think the USL is doing a great job. You know, uh, we've talked to other players on from other players in the USL and who, who mentioned that there's not a huge gap between USL and MLS, you know, if you put a USL player and, and an MLS training camp, um, I'm sure they'll do just fine. You know, yeah, they can definitely learn a bit. And, but I think, um, you know, there's not a huge gap between USL and MLS. And I think, man, I think we're in a good place right now in, in American soccer. And for sure, like, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Dynasty, Sebastian, because, you know, a lot of these teams like Chelsea's, Real Madrid's, Barca's, they have, you know, easily over 100 years of history. And here, you know, we barely have under 30. 
And um, I know the NASL a little bit more more than that, but you know, I think I think a lot of these clubs right now are just trying to establish their identity, um, build their brand, uh, build their fan base, and I think it's something to take into account uh, for any upcoming generations, upcoming years, um, because I do think you know we're we're heading into a good golden age. Especially, I know we've talked about it with you for for the big uh, World Cup in 2026. Hopefully, played here in our backyard. So. That's actually a really good point that basically we still need to wait dynasties. They will maybe become a thing here, but we just haven't gone long enough. Right. And I, I think that's another great point is I don't think Real Madrid became a sort of dynastic club until they got Di Stefano. So that wasn't anywhere near when they were founded. That took Absolutely. a while. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, Chelsea as a Chelsea fan, I know for sure until Abramovich showed up, we were, you know, a fun club in London that had a lot of European players, you know, uh, and were exciting, but really inconsistent. And then all of a sudden you're a team that's expected to go to the depths of the Champions League and win titles every year. It's uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, it takes time for us to get there. So, look, I, I think that my what you just said, actually, about the USL is really interesting. I watched the USL championship final. My opinion was I'm basically watching an MLS game. I mean, really, it was the level, the mistakes, the positives, the negatives. Everything was the same to me. Now, maybe that's just my perception, but I agree with you that most USL players, especially good ones, would do just fine in MLS. Some may flourish. We, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. And that, so, But this also leads me into the format because one of the big issues with MLS is that teams that don't do well have no real incentive to improve and teams that have done well, it's almost like there's no playbook to, to keep going and, and to keep doing it because maybe of the way payrolls are structured in the MLS, maybe the way a lot of this, you could probably go down a rabbit hole of reasons, but the fact that teams can do really well one year and come back asleep for the entire next season, like Columbus, um, you know, the hangover of winning. And you're kind of like, well, it's all right. We won last year. Do you worry about that a little bit with NYCFC? Because it's happened now. Atlanta, you know, have really struggled to build on their title. Columbus is gone. You know, I mean, they're <laughs> going to have to really rebuild this this upcoming season. So, do you worry about that at all? No, absolutely, Sebastian. Yeah, I think, you know, that, that's a great point. I think, you know, yeah, Columbus is a great example. Like, they won the championship. They beat the Seattle Sounders last season. You know, one of the best teams all around in the MLS last season. And this season, it's just as if they were just gone. Um, I know, you know, the MLS is definitely known as being a league of, you know, getting players internationally, bringing in players from Argentina, from from South America, but then it's also a, uh, a league that's becoming well known for also um, selling its players, selling selling them, and maybe some of them going to other destinations, Europe, uh, back to South America, to Mexico. Um, so there's a lot of movement here in the MLS. I personally, I you know, I'm one of those guys that would love to see uh, relegation and within the MLS, and maybe have kind of a system with with the USL. Um, I personally love the U.S. Open Cup, uh, Sebastian. I know we've talked about that with you as well. Like yeah. you know. Uh, here and there, you do get an upset, you know, when, when from a team within the USL as well, or the uh, or the NASL. Um, 
And for the most part, I think, yeah, there's some teams that don't do well. And then there's no urgency to, oh, well, we'll just be back next season. You know, there's always next season. But um, to my last point, I think, you know, I think MLS is recognizing that bit of a problem. And I think um, I really like this move that they just did um, coming up, I believe, for next season or 2023, where um, they have a partnership with Liga MX, where, you know, they're going to we're going to have a kind of a tournament uh, with Liga MX um, teams um, on, a, on a normal basis. And I do like uh, I believe this is a new cup called the Campeones Cup, where I know, like, I believe we're, we're going to be playing Atlas from Mexico coming up next season. Um, right. So, yeah. you know, I do like that that extra competitiveness let's compare ourselves and let's kind of play against uh some of these mexican teams that do really well and you know they come up on top when when they need to and yeah i i think the mls is recognizing that you know there needs to be more competitiveness there needs to be more of a drive more you know more incentive to win um because there i think you're right i think there's some teams that there's there's no real urgency and or they may take years to rebuild and um, the urgency might not be there. So I agree with you. I think I'd love to see more of that. And um, I think for sure, I think the MLS is heading in a good direction towards that. Well, the pro rel thing is funny. I was, was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, Cause he's a big basketball fan and there's 30 teams in the NBA. And he was talking about how there are discussions about trying to make the regular season mean more. And I, I think that with the MLS, you know, with Vegas on the on the horizon, I imagine Charlotte definitely coming. We're going to have over 30 teams to the point where we can easily have a two league system. Right. Where you have MLS one and MLS two. And then there'll be MLS next, of course, because for anyone who doesn't know that MLS next pro league was just announced uh, this past week, which I think is pretty cool. But yeah, no, I think a pro rel thing for for MLS is is kind of crucial because I look at a team like FC Dallas and I'm like, yeah, you guys produce so many good young players. You guys have such a quality network in your own backyard, but where are you? You know, as and I think Rapids, we kind of are in a similar boat. I only think that we got lucky this year because Robin Frazier did a great job. If you look at our squad, this is a squad that could easily finish dead last, you know, in the MLS, if if not well prepared and well coached. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there needs to be some level of incentive, but I also think they're coming. And I think what, what one thing that I've gotten from you throughout this conversation is it's still early and we still need we still need to be patient and and we're seeing things happen and we are in a good place and all these developments with Liga Amekis, the World Cup coming these are exactly the things that are pushing it in the right direction. Absolutely. And like you also said, kids playing in more unstructured environments and cities. I mean, that's massive. It's massive. So, Absolutely. yeah. And I know you've, you've probably got to get going in a few minutes, don't you? Cause you got to get back to your, your breaks probably ending pretty soon here. All good in a few, no, no rush. Um, but I did want to mention, first of all, I, I think it's, it's awesome to have understood a little bit more about, what NYCFC represents for the city of New York and also just excited that you guys were able to get a title to now build off of, because I think that Atlanta winning a title really showed us what their, you know, what their ambitions would be. And I can totally see inter Miami flailing for a long, long, long time and losing identity completely. 
So I think you're totally right. This helps build identity. And um, what do you see as the, what would, what would you say would be the ideal identity for NYCFC from your perspective, just as an NYCFC fan, where are you like, you know, I want this to be us. Absolutely. Well, um, I'm glad you mentioned FC Dallas right before this, because I would love to see ourselves being a club similar to FC Dallas, where, you know, we're known for building homegrown players from within the boroughs. You know, these kids that grew up and played in Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan, the Bronx, Staten Island. Um, And I think, you know, we've got a few players under our belt that, you know, that we can show for that. But for sure, we're, we're still a long way to go from FC Dallas, but I'd love to see more of that. Um, I'd love to see NYCFC continue to keep going for players that add key pieces um, instead of, you know, like I know I mentioned, like big name players as before. Um, you know, I'd love to see players coming from, you know, I think the players coming from Brazil, we got two young talents, uh, Talis Magno that came from Vasco da Gama mm-hmm. and uh, another young guy came, named uh, Tiago Andrade, who's been a spark for us off the bench, um, Jesus Medina from Paraguay. Um, who's definitely been a spark and like he's this guy is dangerous from the from the corners and um you know from angles unfortunately i, I believe he's going to spain i, I think he's leaving this season after this this offseason um but just so yeah like I, I mentioned these players just because all these players have an impact and i think if we keep continuing to scout for players that make an impact or make a spark off the bench um you know it's up to coaching and and the coaching staff and, and management to figure out what are the pieces we need off the bat. I, I definitely feel like we can definitely strengthen our midfield and our, and our defense. Um, I feel like we could definitely use an extra striker now that, uh, you know, if, if Tati Castellanos, our golden boot winner, um, you know, he's been, he's been linked to Palmeiras quite, quite a bit. Uh, Marseille, you know, a couple teams in, in Italy. Um, I think, you know, I think we definitely need a replacement for him, but uh, to answer your question, Sebastian, I think, yeah, I think, um, you know, this club, uh, can definitely um, do itself some good by keeping its identity of going for young talents, young players um, that can add benefit from the bench and that add key attributes and staying away from, you know, let's keep going. Let's try, let's go for like the bigger name players. I think um, I love, I love what the club's doing, done so far. And I think um, if, if we stick to that formula, I think we can, uh, keep competing for more and hopefully, you know, I, I'd love to just see us back in the playoffs next season for sure. Yeah. That's, that's a great minimum to have as a, every year. Like, I just hope we make the playoffs again. I hope we're not, I hope we don't stink up the league. Absolutely. Just get us into the playoffs and hopefully things we get the, we get the ball in the right places. Well, and I agree with you. I think all the pieces are there um, as long as massive mistakes in recruitment or whatever, you know, if, if, if Ronnie Dyla leaves, that's obviously an issue. You got to replace a good coach with another good coach. Sometimes you get it wrong. Same with replacing a player like Tati Castellanos. But yeah, I think it's, I think that's a good way to look at it. That just keep doing the things you're doing. Now I want to double back to that final, uh, you know, that this night in Portland, I felt the NYCFC from the moment they scored, I was like, well, this is over. Not really, but it is because they also mentioned that Portland was uh, from a losing position in the last 25 games. They had lost 23 and drawn only two and not won any from behind. Wow. That's that was something they said that. in commentary. Isn't that nuts? 
That's insane. So you guys are sitting there in the stadium biting your nails, and I'm sitting there going, I mean, statistically, this game is already over. <laughs> and then they score with nine seconds left on the clock. Um, clear foul by Mabiala, in my opinion. When you guys were sitting there, did you guys have any real hope that it might get overturned? Because Chano was losing his mind pointing at the screen stuff what that moment take me to that real quick and from the fans perspective in the stands not having commentary and not having 20 replays and and all that stuff absolutely well first of all i mean there was so much going on so much noise so much beer going around um because we were just hanging on by a thread we were like you know one more minute and this cup is ours in regular time and you know when i saw the foul I, i i personally thought it was a clear foul but and i wish i had a tv screen next to me to see if it was being reviewed in var i didn't know what was happening on your tv screen um i had hoped that it would get overturned and i'm not gonna lie i was definitely nervous when it went to stoppage time because um you know when 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 you add an extra 30 minutes you know the ball can roll a certain way and it might not go to our favor um i think you see quite sometimes an mls where you know, sometimes the best team doesn't always get the result they want. And I was hoping that like, oh, man, if we go to overtime, you know, we could possibly give up another goal. But, um, you know, and I'm not going to lie. I think uh, honestly, I think we didn't play that well in the, ex- in the overtime in, the, in those two extra 15 minute halves. Oh, I don't and think then, either team did. Yeah. Yeah. The game you went know, to a walking pace at that point. Yeah. Tired legs, you know, sloppy passes for sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't have done any better than, than half of those guys, but for sure. And, you know, and then I, my mentality is when we go to penalties, it's always a 50, 50 game, you know, you just need that one lucky stop. And, um, you know, our team has been super reliant on our, on our captain, Sean, jo- Sean Johnson, you know, USMNT guy, um, and I'm so happy he got those two stops, those two key stops. And it's kind of uh, it was just amazing. You know, when 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 we won that game, I mean, beer everywhere. I personally, you know, started to shed a tear, too, just because, you know, the journey we've been through, Sebastian, you know, the the injuries, uh, losing some um, some New York derbies, um, you know, just, you know, all those memories come back to you, you know, all the struggles we've gone through uh, last season losing against Orlando in the Eastern semis again in penalties, um, you know, all, all those bad memories, all those, you know, all those tough moments can come back to you. Like, wow. You know, for once, I think we really deserve this cup. And I think, you know, we finally deserve to win it. Uh, so all those emotions came to me and, you know, all the fans were going crazy and we were there for at least, you know, they were celebrating. I know you said, I know you said that uh, coach Ronnie uh, stripped and everything, but I just saw tears of joy everywhere. And, I'm not just saying as an NYCFC fan, but, you know, for a team that played well in those first 90 minutes, um, and I think we personally played better than Portland, I, I can I can certainly say that, I and not as an NYCFC bad fan, but I really do think the better team won um, this past weekend. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I think uh, I will say on that foul at the end, because you were like, you didn't know what was going on. Um, the commentators picked up on it pretty quickly. They're like, that looks like a foul. And also because Chanel was running around, like, I mean, he was losing it really, 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 really animated. And I'm sitting there going, if they're reviewing it, can you, they are not going to overturn this goal because there is no time left after that. There's no, like, it's over, right? Like, and, and there is, 
it reminded me, and I don't know how much you pay attention to Formula One, but the Grand Prix in Abu Dhabi, where the the race could have and, and the championship could have ended behind a safety car, like where they're not even racing the last lap. And so they made sure that there would be one last lap of racing at least. Right. And I thought in a way it was like, okay, we got to kind of do this for the fans. So that I, I got a slight feeling that not in a conspiracy way where the refs were like, we can't, we can't, but the human side where there's just this, let's just let it go. Cause that's not the most obvious foul. Like it's, uh, you know, that's kind of what it felt like watching it on TV that they were very reluctant to go into it because the game ends the second you make that call. There's no, you know what I mean? So I, I, I found that as an interesting thing. I kept wondering what are fans in the stadium thinking right now? Because when I was in Dick's Sporting Goods Park and Portland scored against us, it was Maviala again, he scored. My first reaction was I looked over to the linesman to see if there was a flag up. Then I held my breath for about five five seconds looking at the ref to see if he would if var was checking something like i was clinging to this hope that it that we could reverse the moment and i wonder did, did you guys was, was there a sense of oh my god could this get overturned or did you guys pretty quickly just assume it's it's overtime well everyone was yelling like that's a clear foul like you know ref you know um but yeah, I mean, there was always hope that it could get overturned. But just like you, Sebastian, it was literally in the very last second that, you know, what could the ref like? We got to go to over. Like, I think they were just like, it's it's so it was such a late goal that um, overturning it to them probably didn't make sense. Um, but, you know, uh, just looking back at it and everything, you know, I'm glad the game happened the way it did. Just because I know I just mentioned right now, you know, um, I'm glad we got the win not only because we were the better team within those first 90 minutes, but also, you know, the goalkeepers made the difference. And I'm glad we got that double win again, you know, in, in penalties. And, you know, I didn't want there to be a stain on this championship. Like, oh, you guys got lucky or anything like that. Like, you know, we, we kind of beat you guys twice in a way. You guys got an extra 45 minutes, basically, you know, absolutely of, of enjoying of enjoying <laughs> the road to victory, which makes it just that much sweeter. So I think that's awesome. I mean, it's a huge congratulations to NYCFC and, I'm happy that you're able to give me a little bit more of a window on what it means to be an NYCFC fan, because like you said, clubs are building their identity. And in a way, sometimes it's hard to know what the hell the identity of a club is. Explain to me what San, San Jose earthquakes really stand for. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, I don't know. Right. <laughs> and so, like you said, hopefully this is what's growing in MLS from every single club. And I just think it's awesome. You got to be there. I'm really, really happy that your network of people close, close to you encouraged you to go. Um, and that you could just bring back this nice, uh, this nice story for everybody. I think it's, it's great. It's inspiration to anybody who, if their team goes to MLS cup, even if you got to go into the lion's den uh, around 30,000 other spectators with only an army of 1100 of yours, then yeah, it seems like the perfect thing to do. Absolutely, Sebastian. Uh, best decision I ever made, and it's a story I can tell my kids one day. <laughs> well, uh, Ronnie, tell everyone where you're from. I mean, I, I will also give a little uh, intro and intro for you, but I'd also like you to speak for yourself. You're uh, not from geographically, but how you and I know each other and why I brought you on. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I am from New York. I was uh, born in Manhattan, uh, raised in the Bronx, and I live in the city. And uh, yeah, last uh, almost a year and a half ago, I started a podcast with my really good friend Christian, and we called it the Soccer Subs. Um, just trying to interview wherever we could, and it's definitely grown some bit. And I'm so glad that we've met you, Sebastian. We've established a little community with these other podcasts, and we're kind of like a little close-knit circle amongst ourselves. And um, I'm I'm so happy that we've built like a relationship amongst a passion that we all love and telling stories our own way, and you know crossing ideas and bouncing off each other. I love it. Yep. Community. That's what it's all about. And, uh, and, you know, enjoying the game like this. So once again, congratulations and enjoy the gloss and the glow of a championship while it, while it lasts before it fades off. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for having me on Sebastian. I appreciate it. For sure, brother. Take it easy.